Wasn't that a beautiful song by Jenny? You gave me love when no one gave me a prayer. How many people in the world today are just cast-offs? People cast them off. They put them in senior citizens' homes. They, they leave them for adoption. They give up on people. The world gives up on people. The Lord never gives up on anyone. Right till the end, He's reaching out for people to get saved before He comes. And we thank God for that. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we're just so thankful this morning that You don't give up on us. You never gave up on us until You found us, until we got saved until we accepted Jesus Christ into our lives. We thank You for Your amazing love, Lord. It's unconditional. It's eternal. And it's a love that doesn't uh, seek its own. And we just thank You for Your amazing love. And we pray now that You will focus us on Your Word this morning by the Holy Spirit and speak to our hearts, Lord. And just hide me behind the cross that the words that are spoken would be Your words and would be empowered by the Spirit to touch every heart here this morning. In your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. As Christians, the lives that we live have an impact on people. People get impacted by the words that we say, by the things that we do, and by the way we conduct ourselves in this world, especially people that know us very well. And if you look at a person who got saved, you see the before and you see the after. And it's kind of neat. If somebody knew you before you got saved, they're going to say, I knew the old Katrina. And then they see the new Katrina and they say, wow, there's a change. What happened to you? And she says, it's Jesus Christ. He made the change. He made the difference. I like over on the 580 freeway there, Jesus is the reason for the season. They put it up there on Christmas. He's the reason for the Christmas season. He's the reason for the Easter season. He's the reason for every season, in season and out of season. He loves us so much and He cares for us so much. And He wants us to be a blessing. And we can either be a blessing or we can be a burden. We can either be a helper Or we can be a hinderer. We can either be a builder or we can be a breaker. God wants to use us to touch other people. And we have to be right with Him first. And before you can be a blessing, you have to be saved. Because you can be a good person. You can be a moral person. You can be an educated person. And people can like you. You can be the number one person in the world. But if you don't know Christ in your life, you can't be a blessing for God. To do that, you have to have the life of God inside of you. The Scripture says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the hope that we have. That He lives inside of us, He's changed us, and He's made us what He wants us to be. Do you have that desire to be a blessing? That's a great prayer when you get up in the morning. Lord, make me a blessing today. If I run across someone who doesn't know the Lord, make me a blessing to them today. If I run across someone who's a fellow believer in Christ, make me a blessing today. Help me to share with people and be an encouragement. And that's what God wants us to be. The title of our message today is Make Me a Blessing. There's a hymn that says, and I'm going to quote it, by Ira Wilson, who is entitled Make Me a Blessing. Listen to what he wrote. This was his prayer, really, in his life. Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. 
carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Tell the sweet story of Christ and his love. Tell of his power to forgive. Others will trust him if only you prove true every moment you live. Give as twas given to you in your need. Love them as the master loved you. Be to the helpless a helper, helper indeed. Unto your mission be true. And then he wrote the chorus, make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing. O Savior, I pray, make me a blessing to someone today. What a great song. What a great hymn. What a great desire to have in our lives to be a blessing to someone today. You can do it with a smile. You can do it with a word. You can do it with a godly action. People say, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And that's why we as Christians, we have the responsibility to live Christ in order to be a blessing. If our life does match, not match up with our words, they're going to say we're hypocrites. And we don't want to be called hypocrites. The Lord wants us to have a good testimony before the people of this world. Turn with me, if you would, today to 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verses 9 and 10. 1 Chronicles in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles, right after first, uh, 2 Kings, chapter 4, and verses 9 and 10. You know, a number of years ago, a book came out entitled The Prayer of Jabez. The Prayer of Jabez. How many have heard of that book, Prayer of Jabez? And some probably have read it. Today, we're going to look at the Prayer of Jabez. And it's really a prayer that gets overlooked by so many Christians because I don't know about you, but there are Christians out there that read the word. And when they come to these genealogies, they just skip right past it. They just read right past it. I don't want to read name after name after name. And this one begot this one. And this one came in the line of this one. And no. But if you miss reading through the genealogies, if you skip it, you're going to miss blessings like this. There are little nuggets of truth. Sylvia can tell you. People that have studied the word for years can tell you. In the genealogies, once in a while, you're going to come across a real gem and a real treasure that's going to stop you. And you're going to say, wow, in the middle of this list of names came this beautiful thought and you can meditate on it. That's what happened to me a while back. I was reading this portion and I said, wow, this is really a blessing. And may the Lord encourage us today. We're going to look at three things here about the life of Jabez. But let's read this passage first. It says, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory and that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil and that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. May God bless the reading of his word today. We're going to look today at number one, his inauspicious start, his inauspicious start. Secondly, his inspiring request that he made to the Lord. And third, his immediate answer that the Lord answered his prayer to make him a blessing. Well, let's look, first of all, at Jabez. He had an inauspicious auspicious start. How would you like to be born into the world and your mother would name you a name that means he will cause pain? I mean, it's amazing. I mean, mothers, and I know that all you mothers have experienced child pain in childbirth. You have. 
but you don't take it, hold it against that child and, and name him a name that's going to stick with him the rest of his life, that, it's going to, that he's going to cause pain. It's not a good thing. So he had an inauspicious start. He was given this name, he will cause pain. Throughout the Bible, you read of different people who either lived up to the t- definition of their name or they lived down to it. Think about Nabal, who was the husband of Abigail. His name meant fool. And he lived down to his name. He became a fool. Then there was others who lived up to their name, such as Moses. He was taken out of the water. And because he was taken out of the water and saved, he became the redeemer of Israel to re- lead Israel out of the prom- into the promised land, up to and into the promised land. And he led them through the Red Sea. So the one who came out of the water was the one who led them through the water on dry ground through the Red Sea. And a lot of times there's meaning in names in the Bible. Peter, the Lord named him. He says, I'm going to call you Cephas, which means a stone. He said, I'm going to call you a stone because you're going to become a pillar of the church. You're going to, I'm going to build my church around, around what you're going to start. And Peter was the preacher at the day of Pentecost and he preached his first sermon and 5,000 or 3,000 rather got saved that day on Pentecost. Abraham's name was changed. Sarah's name was changed. Different names are very important in the Bible. But here he was. He got a very inauspicious start. Can you imagine showing up first day of kindergarten? Jabez. And they start giggling because they know what the name means. And you know, kids, kids don't like that. What's the first thing you might want to do? Go to Martinez and sign up papers to change his name. Some people do that because they don't like their name. But even more than that, it's not just his name, but it's his background. He got an inauspicious start. How many people today use the excuse because they had a rough background, they had a rough start in life, they had a bad family situation, they use that as an excuse why they can't amount to anything in life. They can't amount to anything for Jesus Christ. They're using that as an excuse. The Lord does not want us to use that as an excuse because when He changes our life, He changes it forever. He gives us a new life. And He says we can put behind us the old things. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And when we get saved, He changes our life. He wipes out the path. He says, you were a Jabez, I'm going to make you a blessing. You're not going to cause pain. And you're going to be a blessing for me. Yes, we thank God for what the Lord can do for us. Many Christians also say, you know, life isn't fair. Life is not fair. I agree with them. Life is not fair. We can all attest to that. It's not fair. But when we get saved, we don't use life as an an excuse to, to not serve the Lord. We say, Lord... I had a tough past. I had a tough background. Life isn't fair. I've had my share of hard knocks, but I'm going to get up and serve you. I'm going to be a blessing for you. I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Remember sometimes in the Olympics when they have the figure skating. I watch the figure skating competitions, the men and the women, and it's so beautiful. Well, one, sometimes they start off in their program. Let's say the long program that's going to determine the gold medal. And all of a sudden you see them, they're going around real good. And all of a sudden the lady skater or the man skater falls down and you go, oh boy, that's, they just lost the cost. They lost the chance at the gold medal. How are they going to 
get their composure back? How are they going to get up and, and skate their best? But the champions do that. And even though they had a fall, they get up and maybe they'll still win a silver. Maybe they'll still win a bronze, but they get back and they try. That's like us as Christians. If we're going to be a blessing, we have to get up when we fall. We have to get up and get going. We can't get discouraged and down and think, I can't make it, Lord. Think about a baseball team. You get into the game, you're so excited, and then your pitcher gives up six runs in the first inning. How are we going to come back? But you know what? How many innings do they play? Nine innings. And sometimes teams give up six runs in the beginning, and then they come back and they win the game seven to six. We as Christians should never give up if we have a bad start in life. We have to get up, dust ourselves off, and get back in the race. And we can be a blessing for God when we do that. And it says of him that he overcame his inauspicious start because notice in verse 9 it says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And I think that's really an amazing insight there because we don't know how many brothers he had, whether he was the youngest in the family or the oldest or somewhere in between, but he rose up to the top. He was more honorable than his brothers because he didn't let his inauspicious start keep him from having a great finish. A great finish. We look at life and we see the people in life that become great people, they may have had inauspicious beginnings, but they finished strong. Think about Abraham Lincoln. He had so many trials and he lost so many elections until he was finally elected president in 1860. Maybe you're going through something in your life today and you just feel so discouraged about it. You just feel so down about it. Trust the Lord because he's going to take that situation that you're in right now. He's going to turn it around and cause you to be a blessing. Because when we go through these hard times, it's not just for us to go through it and learn from it. But he wants us to then be able to share it with others who are going through similar situations. If a person's been out of work, you can share with somebody who is out of work. And you can say, you know, I went through that situation. And people say, well, you did. And it can be a real Blessing and a real encouragement. But the world doesn't have answers, does it? I was flipping through the channels the other day. I was having my snack and I was watching TV and they had this show of this. All these young, young people, mostly young, some older ones. They were in a therapy session and they were trying to overcome their past. And there was one man in particular that just didn't feel part of the group. He felt so bad and he even left the group and he went outside and they had to bring him back. And his problem was this. When he grew up as a child, his mother had a rough life. They went through a divorce. The man who was his biological father left and he had a stepfather. And that stepfather was mean. He was mean to him. And you know what he said to him? You're stupid. You're stupid. You're stupid. And he said it to him maybe every day or maybe quite often. He said it to him. What that did is it ingrained in him. Maybe I am stupid. Maybe I can't do it. Maybe I can't succeed in life. And think how discouraging that would be. And I was thinking, we've all had rough backgrounds. We've all had rough past to one degree or another. But I give you hope today. Jesus Christ can change your life. You know, that therapy group, they can talk to you and help you to kind of see where you went wrong in the past and all these things that happened to you and not your fault and all that. But to change you forever and to change you on the inside and to change your life, only Jesus can do that. He changed his people's life. And we can thank God for that. You know, it's easy to tear people down. 
to discourage people, but it's much harder to build them up, to come alongside them and be a blessing and encourage them. That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be an encouragement. And I think in the New Testament of Barnabas, he's called the son of encouragement. And he was the one who encouraged so many people in the Lord and for his glory. But so many times our past is like a ball and chain. We are dragging it wherever we go. And the Lord says, I'm going to break that chain, Alan. I'm going to break that chain and you're not going to have to carry it around anymore. Bring me your burden of your sins and all your past mistakes and all your past failures. Come to me, accept me as your Lord and Savior, and I will give you a new life. I'll forgive you. I'll give you a new start. And that's exactly what he wants us to do. But so many times we're thinking about the past. And the past will drag us down in the future if we don't. Be careful. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul tells us how we should look at the past and what we should do regarding it. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Paul says this, Brethren, I do not count myself to having apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we have to do. The past, we have to leave it in the past and we have to move on. One day I was running a cross-country race years ago and I was running along and I slipped and fell. I fell. And I got up and I was behind, of course, and you have to, to catch up, catch up, catch up. And I finally got up and won the race. Now, if I had gotten discouraged and I'd just fallen down and say, well, I can't do this. There's no way they're ahead of me. I can't catch them. Just let it go. I wouldn't have won the race. But that's the way it is in the Christian life. We're going to fall. We're going to have falls. We're going to have discouragements. We're going to have problems. We're going to have things happen. And we have to get up and keep going for the Lord. And that's what Jabez did. He had an inauspicious start, but he had a great finish. And secondly, he had an inspiring request. Notice what he asked the Lord. He asked the Lord for five things, five requests. And the first thing it says in verse 10 is Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory and that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil and that I might not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Five things. He brings. Isn't it a great thing to ask great things of God? So many times we say, I don't know if I can ask the Lord to do that. That's a big request. That's big. But I thank God for Haley. I mentioned it to you before when I was out of work. She would pray that Dean would get a big job. Get a big job, not just an ordinary job, but a big job. And sometimes we limit the Lord thinking that, well, maybe, Lord, if you answer it this way, he wants to answer it even bigger than that. Bigger. Ask for more, he says. Ask for a bigger thing, a bigger thing. And that's what he does. And so the Lord did give me a big job. And I'm thankful because he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And I'm thankful for what the Lord has given to us and how he has blessed us. And that's the first thing that he asked. He probably thought to himself, if God is a living God and if he's a great God, why can't I ask him for something great? And we should feel that way, too. He was a man of faith. It reminds me in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter five and verse 26, it says of Seth, it says, and as for Seth, to him also a son was born and he named him Enosh 
Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. That is when they first started to call on the name of the Lord, way back in the days of Genesis. And so Jabez had learned from his mother and his father. He had learned that Israel had a true and living God. All the other nations had idols. They worshipped the sun. They worshipped the moon. They worshipped gold. They worshipped silver. They worshipped all these statues and so forth. But the God of Israel was the true and living God. So when he prayed, he says, I'm not praying to some stone image. I'm praying to a living God who's up in heaven. And he's going to answer my prayer. Do we think that when we get down and pray, do we think, Lord, you're going to answer that prayer? Sometimes he answers it with a yes, sometimes no, and sometimes wait. But whatever the answer is, he's going to do it. And God is able to do that. And if we're going to be a blessing for the Lord, we have to have great faith. We really do have to have great faith. And we don't want to be just a little blessing. We want to be a big blessing for the Lord. In Proverbs 10.22, it tells us that it is the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. You know, when you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, whether you're a CEO and make a ton of money and they make a lot of money, or you're down at the lowest end of the economic scale, if you have Christ, you can be happy. You can be joyful. You can be thankful. Conversely, you can be the richest person in the world. And if you don't have Christ, believe me, you're not going to be happy. You're always going to be worried. I'm going to either lose it. What am I going to do? And it's never going to be satisfying. David was the king of Israel. And he had a rough and inauspicious start too. He was pursued by Saul. He was pursued by his son Absalom. And yet he sought the Lord's blessing in his life. And in 2 Samuel 7, 29 and 30, it says, David sought the Lord's blessing when he said, And now, O Lord God, you are my God. Your words are true. And you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it. And with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. Think of how many times he uses the word blessed or blessing in this passage. He wanted God's blessing. And David could have got very discouraged because when Samuel came and anointed him king, he didn't become king for many years to come. He had to wait. He had to wait. He had to wait. And then finally, after Saul died in the battle, David was promoted to king. But he didn't start off even as king over all Israel. He started off just as the king of Judah. And then he had to wait. And he waited for seven years. And then he became king over the whole of Israel for 33 years. So he says, Lord, that you would bless me, that you would bless me indeed, and then the second thing he says, enlarge my territory. Another word for territory is border. And when God enlarges your territory, it means that he gives you a greater sphere of influence in this world. We all have friends. We all have family members. We have work associates. We have neighbors. They're all part of our sphere of influence. And we can say, Lord, help me to be a blessing to my neighbor who lives next door. Sandy kind of tells us sometimes, Miller tells us about some of the stories she has with her neighbors. And so we all have neighbors. Sometimes you have that neighbor that's really nice. And we all like to have nice neighbors and friendly, talk to you, smile, loan you things, do things for you. But sometimes, Sandy, right, we have some neighbors that are kind of disagreeable. They're kind of disrespectful. They're kind of rude. 
they kind of rub you the wrong way and they kind of park in such a way as not to let your car get fully where you need to get or whatever it is. And they're kind of looking at you and they find out you're a Christian. And so they're kind of testing you to see how you're going to respond and act. If we want to be a blessing to them, we have to act as if as if Jesus Christ were doing it. We have to do unto them as we would have them to do to us. We have to show Christ's love even to the most unloving people. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ did, didn't he? He showed love to the most unloving people. And before we were saved, we can't say we were always very loving ourselves. We weren't. We didn't know anything about love, really. The true love of God until he came into our lives and we accepted him as our savior. Then we've learned what love is about. That it's about not about getting our way or getting our needs met, but it's about serving Christ and serving others. That's what his love is all about. So he says, enlarge my territory. He wanted more of the Lord. Sylvia has sang before, and it's a beautiful song, more of you. Do we really want more of the Lord? Because the Lord will give us as much of himself as we want. But sometimes we want to kind of have a casual friendship with the Lord instead of a deep, intimate, personal friendship with the Lord. Jenny sang that song today, and it's so true. He loves us. And you say, Lord, how can you love me? You know all about me. You know my past. You know how bad I've been. He says, I still love you. I want you. I want you to be my child. I want you to be with me forever. All you have to do is by faith, come to the cross and accept the fact that I died on that cross for you and accept me into your heart and you'll be saved forever. And once we come in, he will love us forever. He's our father and we're his children. And so that's what Jabez wanted. He wanted the blessing of an enlarged territory for the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 23, it tells us what Israel was originally intended to do. They were supposed to be a blessing to all the other nations. They were to spread the news about God being the true and living God, but they didn't fulfill it. But in Isaiah 54, 23, it tells us what's going to happen to them in the future and how they will be a blessing. But it says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. So that should be our first desire. Number one desire is to be a blessing, that you will bless me indeed, Lord. And second one is to enlarge our territory so that we can affect more people, like a ripple effect, like when you throw a stone into a pond, the ripple effect goes wide. We want to have a wide influence for the Lord. Thirdly, he says that your hand would be with me. The hand of God in the Bible is symbolic of his power, of his strength, of his authority, of his help in our lives. And how many of us need God's help? I do. Yeah, we all do. Whether you're going to take a test in school or you're going to have a job interview or you're going to go for a for any appointment that you have to do or anything in life. We need the Lord to help us. As soon as we start getting proud and we say, well, I don't need to pray about this one. I don't need help in this one. What's going to happen? We are going to fall flatter than a pancake. We are going to fall on our faces because we can't make it without the Lord. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do Nothing. what? Nothing. Nothing. Well, I'm college educated, Lord. 
You can't do anything spiritually, anything. But Lord, I have a big background in this particular field. I'm considered an expert in it. You can do without Christ. You can do nothing. I'm a good father. I'm a good mother. I'm a good provider. Without Christ, you can do nothing. We need the Lord in the little things and we need him in the big things. He wants to be involved in our lives and he wants us to be a blessing to others. And if we just allow him to, he will shine through us to be a great blessing for him. The scripture says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Nobody can. He'll bless us. I like what the great uh, commentator Matthew Henry said about this. He said, God's hand is with us to lead us, protect us, strengthen us and to work all our works in us and for us and is indeed a hand sufficient for us, all sufficient. You know, God's hand is strong. You know, sometimes when you shake hands with somebody that's got a real good grip, they'll sometimes get a hold of your hand and they put that vice grip on it. That's a hard handshake. And you say, wow, you've got a strong grip there. God has the strongest grip and his hand is with us and he will help us to overcome whatever adversity we have in our lives. The fourth thing he asked for is he said that you would keep me from evil. I think you would agree with me today that we're living in evil times. We're living in evil times. There are temptations everywhere. There's evil everywhere. And we need the Lord to keep us from all evil. The scripture said in the Lord's Prayer where it says, And deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. We need to be delivered from evil. We need to overcome evil with good. We need to overcome evil on our knees. We need to have victory over this flesh. This old flesh, this old nature needs to be conquered every day. And when God gives us the victory in a certain situation, then we can be able to share it with someone else. And that is truly what he wants us to do. Matthew Henry also said that he would keep him from evil, the evil of sin, the evil of trouble, and all the evil designs of his enemy that he might not hurt him or grieve him. And then I like the fifth prayer request that he asked here in this passage in verse 5. It's not found in all the versions. It's really found this way only in the New King James Version, but I think it's the correct rendering of it. It says, and with an exclamation point, it says, that I might not cause pain. Because remember, he had that moniker. He had that name. He will cause pain. That was one thing he didn't want to do. He says, I don't want to be a pain to others. So many times Christians can be even, a, even Christians can be a pain to people. And, and when people don't want to be around you and they don't want to have you around, that's a sad thing. Because to be a blessing, we have to give a blessing. And to do that, we don't want to be a pain. We don't want to be a pain. We don't want to cause problems. We don't want to cause difficulty. I know it's always been the case over the years in the church. We love to have members that are, that are solid and growing and helping. But it's always difficult if you've got somebody that's kind of disagreeable and causes problems. Because when that happens, the work of God can get stalled. It can get delayed. If you've ever been out on any of our freeways, you know when, it's, when there's an accident, that's all it takes is one accident to cause congestion over the whole freeway. It just stops the traffic right in its tracks. And that can stop the work of God 
faster than anything else if you have somebody that's a hinderer, that causes problems, that causes difficulty. It really affects it. And so Jabez didn't want to be one of those kind of people. He wanted to be a blessing. He wanted to help people. He wanted to encourage people. He wanted to be a blessing. And so Jabez proved to be a man of faith. Bill McDonald said in his commentary about Jabez, he says, here was a man with a large concept of God and honored him by seeking his blessing. Jabez was a man of faith and the Lord took note of it. He asked for great things and God gave him great things. And then finally, it says just so simply at the end of verse uh, 10 that he had the immediate an incredible answer to his request. It says, so God granted him what is requested. That's a beautiful thing. When you pray about something and you've prayed about it for a day or a week or a month or a year or maybe through most of your life and when the answer comes, you're so touched, you're just so blessed because the answer has come. How many of us have prayed for our relatives that they would come to know the Lord? As of this point, They're still not saved. So should we stop praying? Pray more. And when God hears the cries of our heart, the burden of our heart, he will answer. And that's what he did here to make them a blessing. So they call this prayer the prayer of Jabez. But I thought, you know, we can put our name in there, can't we? That's the prayer of Cindy. That's the prayer of Alan. That's the prayer of Lewis. It can be our prayer. We can personalize it. We can say, Lord, that you would bless me, that you would enlarge my territory, that you would your hand would be with me, that you would deliver me from evil and that you would help me not to cause pain. These are great requests and things to answer. Ask for from the Lord. And when we do that, God will answer and he will cause us to be a blessing. You know, it's amazing when you when you know somebody at work, for example, and you talk to them. And they see your life and they hear your words and they say, this person's a nice person. And then they see you go through some tough times at work and they ask you, boy, how did you get through that? And you share, it was the Lord that got me through it. And their ears go up and they start saying, wow. And then you tell them more and more and more. And then pretty soon they want to go to church with you. And then pretty soon they come and they say, wow, it's not just what Dean was telling me, but now I've seen it for myself. And that's exactly what happened. Remember in the days of the Samaritan woman when the Lord came by and talked to her and he won her to himself. And then she went back to the town in Samaria and she told them all about what the Lord had done. She says, here's a man that told me everything I ever did. He knows all about my past. And yet still he's forgiven me. Still, he loves me. There's something different. Could this be the Messiah? And they said, well, let's go and see. And then they came out and they listened to Jesus talk. And they saw his miracles and heard his words. And, and they said to the Samaritan woman, he says, before it was, it was great what you told us, but now we've seen him with our own eyes and we've heard him with our own ears. And maybe you're here today and you've heard about Jesus, but you've never experienced him. You've never received him into your life. You, you know about him, but not in an intimate way. He wants you to come to him and accept him as your Lord and Savior. Because once you do that, your life will never be changed again. It's not about being religious because religion, you can be very religious and very sincere, but you're not going to get to heaven with religion. It's got to be a personal relationship with Christ. He died on the cross 
for your sins and for my sins. He paid the penalty there in full. And he says, now, if you receive me into your life as your Lord and Savior, I'll forgive you. I'll give you eternal life and I'll make a home there for you in heaven. And then you say to yourself, well, what are my friends going to think? What are my family going to think? What are people going to think of me now? Guess what? They're going to think good of you now because they're going to see a change in your life. They're going to say that person that used to cuss and swear and be mean and kind of nasty and never happy is now this person that can't stop smiling. What is it? Why are you so happy? Did the Giants just win the World Series? Well, yeah, that'll make you smile. Did your team just win the Super Bowl? That's a great thing. No, it's what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you. Because all these things that we have in life, we can be happy for. And believe me, I get happy for those kind of things too. But it can't compare to having Christ in your life because he's there for everything. He's there when you lose the championship. He's there when you get a bad grade on your test. He's there when you don't get the promotion. He's there when you don't get hired for the job because he loves you. He says, I'm not giving up on you yet and never will give up on you. He loves us with an unconditional love. And that's what Jabez felt. He says, my mom, I don't know, mom, I want to ask you, why did you give me this name? He will cause pain. But he didn't let it stop him. He went on to ask great things from the Lord. He did a great thing. And that's what it was. So to sum up this morning, we see that though you have an inauspicious start in life, a rough beginning, bad things happen to you in the past. If you come to Christ today, you can be saved and God will wipe out the slate. And if you're a Christian today, and even this week you're going through some really tough times, give them over to the Lord. Ask great things of him and he will change it for the good. One thing I like about Jabez, too, he wasn't satisfied with mediocre Christianity. He wasn't satisfied with just being a believer and I'm an Israelite and I'm a believer and I'm in a Christian home environment type of thing. No, he says, I want to be a great man for God. I want to be a blessing for God. I want to do great things for God. Do we have this goal to be a blessing? If we do, God will bless us. He will help us to be more fruitful and more blessed by doing that. And if we do that, God will be such an encouragement. So can we say today, make me a blessing? When you walk out that door, you've got a choice. You can be a blessing or you can be a burden. And God wants us to be a blessing. He wants us to treat people like we would treat the Savior. And when we do that, people see the difference. People see the difference. There's a wide chasm between being saved. Over here is where we were before we're saved. And over here is when we get saved. We can't take any credit for it. But when he saves us, he gives us a new life and a new hope. And he says, now live for me. Go out and be a blessing. I like that expression where one Christian is like one beggar going to tell another beggar where to find bread. And that's what we as Christians do. We say, I can't take any credit for it. This is the bread that I receive right here. I can tell you where you can get your bread. I can tell you where you can find Christ. It's through the same cross through Calvary. Shall we just close in a word of prayer and ask the Lord to, to bless us? Father, we just thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's never been anyone who's ever lived on this world, on this, in this world who's ever had such an impact as you, Lord Jesus. You went about doing the Father's will and doing good and healing people and raising the dead and curing people from all kinds of diseases. 
And we thank you, Lord, that you have cured us of the disease of our sin. And you've given us a new life, Lord. Help us to go out and share it with others. Help us to be a blessing to others. Help them to see that only you, Lord, have the power to save. And we pray if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you in a personal way, that they won't leave before they accept you into their heart. Because today could be the last day we live on earth. And so, Lord, we pray that everyone will be sure that they're going to heaven by receiving Jesus into their hearts. So, Lord, accept our thanks. Help us to be a blessing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.